G'day and welcome to the Hunting Connection Podcast. My name is Zach Williams and I am your host. Here we'll connect you with hunters, fishers and outdoor enthusiasts from around the globe. This podcast will share hunting and fishing stories including past experiences and tackle the tough hunting stereotypes our community faces. We hope to be a positive influence to those outside the community while also having a laugh along the way. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, we're back from Snake Island and I've got Shane, one of the other um, period two ballot hunters on the phone. How are you going? I'm very well, Zach, and how are you? Yeah, good, good. Good to get a decent night's uh, sleep after leaving Saturday. Yep, yep, I'm looking forward to uh, one of them when I get back home. (laughs) A couple of nights uh, still camping in the back of my truck, eh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I have to say, though, my swag sleep was much better than than my camp sleep. (laughs) Oh, okay, yep, yep, yep. So, no, we had a a really good time over there, so it was great. We did, we did. How did you you find it all um, compared to what you were thinking about when on the lead-up? Look, it's to anybody who's going to Snake Island, Make sure you have your coordination done. You know, it's a lot of thinking uh, to go over there, and uh, no matter where you travel from, you know, it is uh, to 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 get the Port Welsh call, go through the briefing process on the Sunday, uh, find yourself a ride either out of Port Welsh Pool, Port Albert, across to the island. Yep, have an idea where you want to hunt. So. Um, you got an idea where to camp. Like uh, us guys were extremely lucky. We had you, Zach. You had uh, you had more maps on your phone than uh, anybody I know. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you put us. We put us in a uh, in a fairly comfortable position for the camping. And um, you know, in my case, it was very moderate walking. But you boys had a bit of walking, so people have got to be prepared that uh, there is a fair bit of walking involved when you're on the island to get to your, uh, your hunting spot, you know? Exactly, and the trails are not, not friendly at all. Um, the maps don't yeah. do it justice, and what you have in your head of what it's going to be like does not do it justice either. No, no, it's a pretty big place, Snake Island. Like, it's 11 or so kilometres, so... As the crow flies. Going, yeah, yeah. Anybody who's going there, get a visual picture from a starting point on a highway and drive 11 k's and we'll think back, well, geez, that is a fair distance and I may be booking half or three quarters of that, you know, to get to where, where a productive hunting location is. Exactly, and then go down to the beach and walk through the sand dunes, through the thickest bit of scrub you can find in the sand dunes and that's what it's like. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And, uh, you know... The rickshaws, well, the rickshaws that we had are a story on their own, like uh, three or four of them collapsed, uh, you know, so they were, you know, you've got to, if you're going to make a rickshaw, make it out of steel and uh, make it make it solid because it's it's tough going even on machinery, really, isn't it? It is, it is, you know, 100 metres up the beach, not even, and just the pressure of the sand and the um, clay mud, in the marshy bit, um, just took its toll on two of the rickshaws. So we started off with four going in to camp, and then we ended up with, um, yeah, 
two down and then just carrying everything from the beach into a nice little camping spot that Shane yeah. found, a nice little cove sheltered area um, not too far from the beach, so that was nice. Yep, yep, and then we were lucky enough to to have uh, your maps that put us back on the tracks, which are, you know, not that far away. And, um, yeah, but it's, uh, you know, you can't need water. Like, uh, some of the guys got very low on water, even though they had 30 litres. Uh, I know you said on one, uh, one hike back one night, you consumed approximately three litres of water just walking back you know, with hardly any gear, so... Yeah, that was that, that first night. Um, yeah, so fluids, yeah. make sure you've got plenty of fluid um, and, you know, subsidise your fluid for and uh, take less clothes, really, because you're not really off and out of the, the clothes you're in as such. You've got two sets of clothes and basically that's all you need. But, yeah, uh, that's one thing I found is I overpacked. Um, you yeah. know, not knowing what to expect on the island, I definitely overpacked. And if I ever have the chance to hunt it again, I would, um, yeah, probably take less than half of the stuff that I took. Exactly, exactly. You know, but we had uh, a paradise island for the few days we were there, and a couple of the other boys stayed a bit longer and uh, 40, 50 kilometer hour winds and the like. So, you know, we were extremely lucky, and uh, and uh, they've got off the island now, which is only yep. day four. Like people got to understand that the majority of people are out of there by day three. Yeah, it's, either, it's hard either going. With, either with an animal or without an animal. Yeah, um, they run out of fluids. Uh, some people don't t- take enough tucker, um, so. And patience, patience to sit and sit and sit. And when you sit, you just sit some more, you know, 12 hours of daylight a day or 14 hours of daylight and you cannot move. And to, to set yourself up mentally to have that much, much patience is another thing also. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we, you know, um, Nathan and I went and scouted out the tracks the uh, Sunday night at, when you couldn't hunt. So we went and put in uh, just over 20 kilometres that night just scouting out the tracks, you know, a couple of missed turns. Um, and then using the Onyx hunt maps, um, we marked everyone's location in camp where they were going to hunt. And then I just screenshotted it and showed them. And so it gave them a bit of a, um, a rough guide so they didn't get turned around. So... Yeah, you were hunting yeah. about three point two k's in, um, which is pretty pretty nice, and then yeah, relevantly close compared to you other guys. Yeah, exactly. Relevant. And then yeah, um, but, yeah, but you 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 harvest an animal and you've got to carry it three k's, and that and the stocky, solid little animals heavier than than uh, what you possibly think, you know. And you've got to either drag it or carry it back to your camping location and it's pretty advisable not to camp on top of your hunting location because um, you spook the animals and they're gone for days, you know? Yeah, exactly, you know. Um, 
the couple other yeah. guys in our camp, camp, Anthony and Huss, they were about four or five Ks in, and then Nathan and I were hunting another five Ks past that. So it's pretty, you know, it doesn't have much elevation. It's like 12 metres above sea level, eight metres, and drop drops down in the gullies. Um, but, yeah, yeah, when when you drop yeah. an animal, that's where the, um, the fun starts. Yeah, yep, and also, you know, your Google map or, or the like, might show you that it's a waterhole, but that was at the time of picture. Like, when you get there, like, we might get a run of this warm weather going forward, and some of those boys that are going to hunt, and they think they're hunting on top of waterholes, maybe no water at all. Exactly. I was speaking to um, the first period guys um, about one of the guys that hunted... um, uh, Bullock Swamp like you did and yeah. Bullock Swamp was too full of water um, for them to hunt properly like it was right up to the edges where you look at the photos that you took there's only a really small pool in the middle of middle of it yeah. so it's crazy how quick it dries up there yeah and uh, you know it was it was down at least 15 to 18 inches from the tea tree line when I got there and I actually thought the water in the short period of time I was there, was still evaporating, you know. I looked after a couple of hours and I thought, that water's gone down half inch and inch, you know, but that doesn't sound much. But when it comes in on the land mass, it looked to be a metre back from where it was when I first got there. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, pretty mental. Just that from that Sunday to Monday night, the amount of stuff that dried up in that, in that time. Um, and then yeah. the week before, you know, there was... Everywhere was covered in water um, for the yeah. first period, guys. So yeah, it's just so, insane. Yeah. yeah, so if guys contact us, you know, and if they don't get no rain there in the next week or so, that water will be even more evaporated. Um, you only need a small piece of water to bring the, the, the bird life and, and the wildlife to it, but you just need the water. Exactly. You know? If there's no water, there's going to be no animals. Simple as that. Exactly. Um, so what was your game plan going going into it? That first morning hunt, you you land on the island Sunday afternoon, but you can't hunt till 8 a.m. the Monday morning. Um, what was your game plan going into it? My game plan was uh, stay put in camp Sunday. When we got over there in the uh, late afternoon, we just set ourselves up, made ourselves comfortable. Uh, had a few nibblies, told a few stories, and then uh, Monday I'd sort of, after the briefing and uh, the GMA guy says, uh, you can't have any bullets in your firearm or be interpreted that you're hunting before 8am. So um, us three, like game plan, we never left camp to 8 o'clock. Yep. So we, we knew we were totally safe conforming with everything that these guys require of us. And, um, you know, I was lucky I was with you and you uh, had that map and you just told me to go in there. And my game plan was to get to a location, stay put. Nothing more than not move, make myself comfortable, prepare for whatever happens and how drawn out it would be. You know, take your lunch, take take some nibblies, take plenty of water to keep yourself occupied. Uh, try and leave your, your mobile devices alone because in my case, there was nothing, nothing, and an animal. 
and that was, you know, so my game plan was to just stay put. And how did it play out for you? What Tell everyone um, how it played out. It played out perfect. Like We got into position, uh, oh, I was tad before 9am, and I I sat there, and at uh, 12.40, 20 to 1, uh, my stag uh, just come through a barbed wire fence and come out of the tea tree, and there was nothing there, and I looked up, and bang, there's a deer. Put the glasses up. And uh, you often hear people tell you, you know when the animal is a taker. And I just looked at those antler length and he's a taker. Forgot about the glasses, put the rifle up and just waited for the timing. Yep. Beautiful. So game, it, was, it was a beautiful stat. In my case, game plan perfect. But in some of the other guys' cases, game plan, no matter what game plan they had, it wasn't working out for them. Yeah, exactly. It was um, a crazy day with, uh, you know, four of us bagging a stag on that first day and one bagging a hind. So, um, yep. unfortunately, yeah, someone but- lost a lost a nice nice little stag. It can get pretty thick there and easily easily lost if um, they run, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, and we, uh, I think, talking, you know, we all had the mental game plan this is more than a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Like before, I've said on the other podcast, I've been in this thing over 25 years, and this was the only time I've been drawn. Yeah. So don't think you're going to go over there and shoot the biggest deer that, uh, you know, God's made. But go over there and just think that you'll take a representative stag and talking to the GMA guy, most reproductive stags that come off the island are in the twelve-inch bracket. Yeah, you know, and, you know, you got a got a beautiful one. Yours went what fifteen? Fifteen. So I was exceptionally lucky. Very. Uh, and Hass was exceptionally lucky. He's got a fourteen-inch one, but just people got to think that they're not. There is big deer there. Don't get me wrong, but. It's like anywhere you hunt, you're going for one that represents the breed, you know, the species of animal, and come home with that um, if you're lucky that one steps out. Otherwise, you uh, you just could come home with nothing. Yeah, simple as that, really. Yeah, exactly. And how'd you go getting out? That was my my hardest journey on the island going that 10 Ks. We actually put about 18 Ks in getting that deer out because we would walk our bags a few hundred meters, drop our bags, then go back, get the stag, then walk that a few hundred meters past where our bags were. And we did that for a while to conserve some energy. It sounds like you would burn more energy, but those walk backs where we had nothing on our shoulders, it um, gave us time to refresh a bit. But it did take yeah. us um, about six hours. Yeah, yeah. So I was um, pretty lucky. I just have a uh, Maroka 30 Quartermaster beat, uh, backpack. Yep. A couple of panniers on it. Um, I just have enough gear in that backpack um, for day hunting. You know, enough fluid, a few sandwiches and the like. So... Um, I had to drag my deer. Uh, what did you say? I was in three k's, did you? So yeah. That, yeah, yeah. So I dragged my deer 
Um, across the three Ks, kept his front shoulders up because I was only doing a uh, shoulder mount. Had I decided earlier in the piece that I was doing a full body mount, well, I might have been in a, my own little world of grief, you know, trying to to carry it, and I would have been doing the same as you guys. Walk your gear 100 metres, 200 metres, go back, lift your deer on your shoulders and, and carry it out. So, um, like, the deer slide easy on all that saggy stuff, but when you've got to slide it across some sand, well, you know, you pull a bit of hair out of the back rump. But, exactly. Uh, yeah, but, um, you know, for a shoulder mount, I was perfect, you know, but I'll give you the tip, it wouldn't want to be another five kilos heavier because... Um, Certainly, no matter how physically strong you are, it takes it out of you. Yeah. Um. How heavy did yours go? Um. When uh, Tarvi oh, um, weighed it. Oh, got it. Oh, I just happened to have a bit of paper here, but it was. He said it was one of the heaviest um, iron stags to come off for a while. So uh, I don't know what it weighed. Um, Girth, body weight, 34.2. Yeah, wow. So significantly larger than mine. Mine was uh, 28.5. Yeah, so uh, 30, so that's, uh, you know, I'm 81 or so kilos, so that's getting on to half my body weight that I'm dragging across there, you know. Yeah, Nate and I made the mistake of taking too much gear out on our shoulders. Um, you know, we probably had, uh, you know, 13 kilo pack each by the time we took enough water to get to the other side of the island with us so yeah carrying 13 ish kilos each maybe more and then um yeah carrying another 30 kilos on top of that between us over a pole on our shoulders it uh, definitely wears you out and that's why i chose to not try and shoot something in the morning we got in about 12 p.m to where we were hunting and my goal was to take something that night so that we had the cooler weather um, to get the deer out without losing meat or the cape. That was my two biggest fears was losing the meat or the cape. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, we were lucky that uh, both you and I got got away with that. Um, Anthony, uh, he saved his cape. We've been able to save his cape, but he shot his animal a little bit too far back probably, but he's... He lost some of his meat. Uh, people got to be aware, and I, I think um, they also mentioned that at the Sunday Island briefing that, you know, you may lose your cape or you may lose your meat. Like, there's no refrigeration, nothing to uh, keep it cold over there. Exactly. Um, people, gotta, people also got to be aware that uh, if you... Uh, Find a tree to hang it in over there. Every tree is full of ants. And here's a tip for anyone listening. Uh, when you've got your um, Bushman-style creams that you're going to put on to keep all those insects off you, um, you've got a rope hanging out of your tree for your deer. Whack a lot of that around the rope so that the ants won't go past it because poor old Anthony, I got back to camp and his deer bag was black. With yeah, ants. unfortunately, yeah, I, yeah. that that yeah. would have paid a part to losing losing some of that meat and just the heat. Like twenty six degrees doesn't sound like much, but when you're trying to get a a full deer out that's still got the cape on, because um, you have to leave the cape on, you can only gut the deer on the island and leave everything else on it to get it back yeah. to the GMA checking station. So yeah, it's a 
it's a big big thing. We'll speak to one of the other hunters later, but I I believe he probably would have lost all of his meat and his cape, unfortunately. But he yeah. um, had a hell of a journey getting off the island. But I just want to say thank you, Shane. Um, it was a pleasure sharing camp with you. Um, I learnt a lot. Um, we gave you the nickname Camp Dad. You know, yeah. <laughs> you looked you looked after all of us younger guys. You know, you yeah, had all sorts. You had all sorts of goodies. I was twice as old as you again, blokes. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what people also—it's not just getting your deer from where you, where you harvest it back to camp. There's also a process if you're on the charter boat or even your own boat with the tide. Actually, could be another six six hours plus to ten hours before camp boat boat back to port one of them two ports that we nominated earlier. Exactly. And then then the GMA guy, it might be wherever he's coming, he, he nominates the time that he's going to check that deer in. So Yeah, you can't you can't be, tell him that, you know, I'm going to yeah. be there at this time. You have to ring up and say, I've shot my deer. What time can you be there? What time do I need to be there? Yeah, so your deer could be well and truly deceased for up to 36 hours before it's checked. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and uh, people need to be aware of aware of it. Like I've hunted New Zealand three times, and there was a lot more effort went going to Snake Island in our own country than there was going to New Zealand. Yeah, it's definitely the yeah. most effort I've put into a hunt. You know, hunting hunting um, New Zealand and Mexico, and it just yeah. it's a massive, massive undertaking to get yeah. over there. Thank you, Shane. Well, I'm going to let you go, mate. And But thank you very much for that and hopefully get a couple of the other boys on and just to hear about their experience and this will be a nice little bonus episode. Yeah, right. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about it. Mate. Not a problem, Shane. Thank, thank you. you very much. Have a great day and a safe journey home. I will. Thanks very much, mate. Bye. You, so this guest, we've got Hassan on. How you going, mate? Not too bad, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. It's... Uh, Pity I didn't get you on the podcast before we go, so we'll just uh, do a quick intro with yourself. Um, how long you been hunting for? Oh, look, I've been hunting since uh, since I could walk, basically. Um, I started hunting on my own, let's say, with a firearm as soon as I was legal to get a firearms license with my dad and just been chasing birds and feathers majority of my life in the last 10 years I got into deer hunting beautiful beautiful it seems that um a lot of Victorians are obsessed with their their ducks and waterfowl that's for sure that's for sure mate it definitely yeah um so you started on deer what deer species you've knocked down so far so far uh including snake island I've got five out of the six species beautiful so First was my sandbar, then we followed through with a fallow, a chittle, red deer, hog deer, and all I got now is to do a rooster. And that's all been Victoria, right? Yeah, all Victoria, luckily. Insane, insane. That's yeah, that's awesome work, awesome work. So thanks, buddy. Leading up to um, Snake Island, what were you were you expecting? I was expecting conditions like tough conditions, but not what we've seen. Um, I was expecting more coastal conditions. Like I do a bit of hunting up in southeast Gippsland, so I knew what I was up against with the mozzies and the, and the bugs and insects and all that. But the island 
was not very um, maintained for the track, let's say. So yeah, I packed a lot of bags. Yeah, packed my bags a little bit too heavy. And, yeah, if I was to do it again, I'd do it a lot lighter, that's for sure. Yeah, that seems to be the common consensus from uh, myself and Nath and Shane and everyone else that that I've spoken to about it. Um, and what do you think about rickshaws? Rickshaws? Um, look, I'd take one again. I'd do a. Um, I'd do something lighter. Yeah. I've built mine a little bit too heavy. I built it lighter next time. It was strong enough. It withheld the whole weekend. Didn't get to use it for what I built it for, but um, I did pass it on to another bloke after the checking station. Yes, yeah, and he's actually he's actually gone on the island. He's already set it up. So if you if you get the time to go and do your scouting beforehand, learn the tracks, see where you can pull it in from, definitely a benefit to take a rickshaw. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we built mine a little too light. You know, the metal the metal bent a little bit, and mine, mine and Anthony's, we both had blowouts within the first hundred meters, so that made things tough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was tough, but everyone's there to help each other. Yeah, look, thank you guys for helping me, and I love to help other people too. You know. No, it was it was great to be able to share a camp with a couple other hunters, even though we didn't spend much time in camp. It was a good laugh getting to know you guys while we're there. Um, so definitely, what yeah. would you pack different? Um, you said food. What else would you um, do differently? Uh, what I'd do differently is I brought almost doubles of everything just in case I lost it, broke it, or I wasn't too sure what I was up against. So what I would do differently is pack a lot lighter. Clothing-wise, just bring one pants, you know, thermals, layered clothing, Mm -hmm. all just one of each, plenty of socks, or just go spend the money, get some quality socks. They can dry out overnight before you put them back in next morning. Um, Food-wise, I packed all dry foods, and I'm doing it the same, but a lot less. <laughs> <laughs> I pack too much food. I'm a big boy. I like my food, but I didn't end up eating it. <laughs> we were only on the island for two days, though. <laughs> yeah. So I, I packed knowing that I could be there till Sunday. Yeah. If the weather changed, who knows? Maybe I won't be able to get out by Friday. So I packed a lot more than what I needed. Um, if I was to do it all again, I'd probably take my own boat. Yeah, and maybe go in for two days. If I'm running out of resources, I can go back overnight, come back again. I know it's a very tidal coastal area there, but there's no issues with leaving the boat out on you know low tide, waiting for it to high tide, come back out, pull it in. You know, it's a little bit more work, but you've got the flexibility of bringing more gear or flexibility of leaving the island when you need to. Yeah, exactly, and then you um can get closer to your your hunting grounds that's the one thing that we found is that we had a a decent trek you know getting to um yeah getting in there you know you guys were about five and a half k's in you and anthony to a big hole and rifle range and myself and nathan were about 10 just over 10 k's in so that was a eye opener it's not not easy country it doesn't look as bad as it is you know once you get that sandy 
um, and also that muddy, muddy environment plus the overgrown tracks, it can burn you out pretty quick, you know. If, Definitely. if you're going about 5Ks, you're looking at about an hour minimum to get... Minimum, to yeah, minimum. Definitely. Like, well, I stopped a number of times on the way in with Anthony. On the way out, I lost count how many times I stopped. I was, um, yeah, I was carrying the deer every couple hundred metres. I stopped in the shade and then keep going. I was carrying gear, the gear, my deer, plus water, yeah. 10 litres of water. Yeah, I've got bruises on my shoulders still. Yeah, but, <laughs> I know that. You know, feeling. one one of the most rewarding hunts I've ever done. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's incredible to look back back on. So, what was your game plan going into Snake Island? My game plan was to get dropped off at Bale of Straw. Yep, I spoke to numerous people that's been there previously. They all talked about getting dropped off at Bale of Straw and walking in from there with a the rickshaw. Yeah. Um. So my game plan was bale of straw, share a, share a camp with other hunters and walk my rickshaw that Sunday all the way to Big Hole and come back that night, camp at bale of straw, and then go back in the morning. Yep. Unfortunately, um, the tracks were too rough. doesn't matter if we got dropped off at bale of straw or anywhere else. I don't think I would have had the energy to go all the way there with my rickshaw. Definitely not, especially with a couple of down trees on the track, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, if you had an electric chainsaw and you were able to move some of those trees yourself, um, it would be okay. But, yeah, the tr- the track conditions proved tough. So you, that was your game plan. What ended up happening? What ended up happening is we got dropped off near Bullock um, with yourself and Shane and Anthony and... Yep. And we walked down, conditions were tough, the tussocks were too high and wide, two rickshaws broke, um, Shane made it in with his rickshaw, I made it within 15 metres of camp, I left it there knowing that we are going to turn back, and then that night when I went out for a small spot, uh, scout, I seen that the condition was even worse, and I made the, the decision to keep my rickshaw there. Yep. And just sitting and talking with Anthony that night, um, seeing the conditions were tough, we were saying it might be better for us to pack up our camp first thing in the morning and just set up a new camp closer to our hunting spot and give it all our all our best opportunity for the next two days, knowing that Wednesday the weather is going to change. Mm-hmm. And what happened, first thing in the morning, <laughs> 5 o'clock, we're up packing our bags Packed it a little bit too heavy, if you ask me. <laughs> yep, yep, you, you boys sure did. You were loaded, yeah. loaded to the teeth. And we made our way in, and just up, just past 8 o'clock, let's say, we were setting up new camp, unpacking our bags, making it a lot lighter. Uh, shook hands. Best of luck, brother. I'll see you soon. Let me know how you go. And we split. I went down Big Hole. He went towards Rifle Range. And within... Five minutes, let's say. He took a shot. He got lucky. <laughs> yep. And I was right at this point of the track where there was a shoot-off to the right. There was a sand dune. Yep. It looked to be a track. So I ran up this track and I sat down waiting for maybe a spook deer will come past. Nothing came past. I congratulated Anthony over the phone. And I kept going my way to Big Hole. So I made it to Big Hole. Um, conditions at Big Hole. Vegetation was overgrown. There was cows there. 
plenty of water, plenty of wildlife birds. Um, I sat down between the tea trees and the tussocks in the shade, just trying to glass. I did spot a few things running. I couldn't 100% identify them as deer because the tussocks were overgrown. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a big black and white cow several hundred metres away. Having a look at that, looked like deer from far. Yeah. Just looking through the binos, I see the two big white spots moving. Until it popped its head up, that's when I knew it was a cow. That's how overgrown the, the tussocks and the vegetation was. It was level with the, with the cow's back, basically. Yeah, well, that's so, insane. Yeah, that's why I had the game plan of bringing a high chair there. Yep. Um, sat there for several hours, spoke to Anthony, asked him if he's going back to rifle range. He said he's going back to check in the deer. Asked him if I could go there. He said, by all means, I'll let yourself know and a couple other people know that I'm changing spots. And by 3 o'clock, I was at rifle range, sitting under a tree, just waiting. So Um, looking at rifle range, whereabouts would you have been sitting just so that um, future ballot hunters can have an idea of what, where, where roughly to sit? All right. Um, so if you were following down the track, you'll see some tea trees on the left-hand side before you get to the, the rifle range. Uh, I cut through those tea trees, yep. and I sat between the tea trees and the tussocks. Beautiful. On the left-hand side of the, the swamp, let's say. I didn't go. I didn't take the track all the way down to where the swamp and the track meets. Yep. Um, the wind was in my favour there at the time. And then later in that afternoon when there was two does out, the wind changed, they got my scent and ran off. And luckily there were some cows walking by, past um, and I used them as a disguise to move change spots to a better wind-friendly location. Got closer in, sat down for several hours again. Another two hinds come up. I was just glassing them, watching them. Um, cows were coming in themselves. I think that helped me getting closer and disguise my scent a bit too. Yeah. Um, and then a little spiky come up and I was watching the spiky for a little bit, contemplating, you know, should I take the shot or not? I don't want to go home empty. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then I kept kicking myself saying, no, nah, mate, this is only Monday. You've got another four days to go. <laughs> and then this big fella. Up. Yeah, lucky I did. And then this big fella came in chasing that spiky away. I took one shot at him, and here we are today. You got some awesome uh, footage of him too. That was that was some incredible footage of him feeding out in the swamp. Yeah, it's funny when uh, Nathan and I walked through there on the Sunday night, and we we're watching that hind out there. I said to Nath, um, like at the swamp out there, she was feeding on the flat bit out near the fence towards the back where it was dryish. Um, I said to Nathan, I'm like, oh, you just kind of like expect the hog deer to be like head down feeding in those in those swamps, kind of like hogs up in Cape York. And then, yeah, you yeah. posted your video up and I'm just like, I knew it. I knew that's how they would use that that area. <laughs> yeah. Nah, that was- well, it was a good experience, good location. I highly recommend it for anyone else in the future. Rifle yeah. range, place to be in my opinion. If you can get a rickshaw into a big hole, another place to be. Yeah, beautiful. Um, how 
how long did it end up taking you to get out? Because we passed, you shot the deer about 8 p.m. We passed yep. you probably about 9 p.m. Um, yeah. You know, Nathan and I were pretty <laughs> struggling pretty much. We had the deer over over our shoulders between one pole plus our packs and that. And then you suggested the idea of bunny hopping. So we, we did that for a little bit. But yeah, yeah. Um, passing passing you you ended up camping out for the night at your camp and then come back out in the morning how long did it end up taking you to get your camp and the deer out so i took the deer to first camp uh it was 11 30 i got into bed yep right and the next morning four o'clock i was up packing my bags again i left the deer in the tent with 10 liters of water um, covered him up with a camo jacket so the bugs don't get into him. And I got back to Beachside next to you. Would have been quarter past eight. Yeah, you you got in about quarter to quarter to eight, and then we put the, yep. the rest of the stuff down, like rickshaws and that. And then you took yep. back off off the track. That's right. So I sat at the beach for an hour easily, make a few phone calls. Everyone was calling me. Make sure I'm safe. I had a good meal, good drink, and I made my way back to the deer. By the time I got back onto the beach, picked up by um, their charter, would have been around 4.30, man. Yep. So it was a big hike for me. Just that Monday, I did 13 Ks, and on the Tuesday, I did 18 Ks. All on my own, that is. Yep. Um, on the way back, in the last two kilometers, I was just standing in the track in the shade. The phone was going off. I was just ch- double checking the phone, double checking who's calling me. I was letting Damien know that I'm good. Damien, the charter from Wildside. Um, very excellent bike. He kept double checking up on me. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, and I bumped into Riley. So Riley and Jacob, they were making their way to Bullock. Beautiful. Had a, had a few conversations there, gave me a hand, carried the deer all the way out to the beach for the last two Ks. Legend. So thank you, boys. Legend. <laughs> I was knackered, but, yeah, I would have taken me another several hours to get to the beach. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so taking that long out, how did you go with – this is a question I haven't asked you. I've only assumed this far in. Um, how did you go preserving the cape and the meat? Did you um, manage uh, to save any of that? or? Yeah. So Damien, when I called him, I told him to bring me some ice. He brought me some ice. I put the meat straight away on ice. Um, mind you, one piece, yeah, we didn't piece it out yep. until the next day. So I had the deer sitting on four bags of ice. Um, next day, checked him in at 9 o'clock. Meat was starting to smell the back legs because I got a little bit of shit on them while yeah. I was dragging it. Um, yeah, I didn't get to save any meat. I saved the cape. I went straight to the taxidermist after I checked him in. Oh, that's good. That's great to hear. So I, I, saved, I just assumed yeah. that you were, you lost the cape because it got pretty warm there on that Tuesday. So I was, I was yeah. worried for you. But that's no, I was hear. worried too, but I got lucky. I anticipated that I was going to be up for a heat, hot time, so I covered him in my in my uh, camo jacket. Yeah. And lucky enough, the taxidermist said, you know, this is all good, mate. 
So beautiful, yeah. beautiful. It was uh, yeah, pretty touch and go with Anthony's get dear. He saved some of the height, the front quarter, but lost lost some of the back quarter, and yet the cape was just savable. So that's good. That's, that's the only worry about getting the deer off um, the hole and having to get it checked in hole like that. But you yeah. shot you shot an incredible deer. What he went what fourteen. 14 and a half? 14 and a half inches one side, 14 the other, and it was 12 and a half inches wide. Beautiful, beautiful. What? Um, how I'm much did he weigh? Over the moon. Do you know? He weighed 30 kilos. Beautiful. Um, yeah, 30 kilos on my back for a long yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> I turned him into a backpack the next morning, so Tuesday morning as I was carrying him out, yeah. I zip-tied his front and back legs together, turned him into a backpack he and carried him out. Yeah, heavy. That's that's awesome, man. Um, So congratulations for getting that incredible deer. We had a very lucky group of guys on the island for that that first day. I think it was, what, five five stags, uh, four stags recovered and one hind, so... Yeah. For, Congratulations to you too, mate. Thank, thank you. Man. Thank you. He went. And, um, my, my little guy went thirteen. Uh, what? What do you go? Thirteen on one side and twelve on the other. And then yeah, I'd be happy with him too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's the adventure that that's a story, you know, it's a lifetime story. If you ask me. Yeah, man. I'm I'm over the moon. I'll get him. I'll get him taxidermied, shoulder mount, and yeah, he'll end up in in my podcast studio. So nice, nice. But no, thank you very much, man. Um, much appreciated. Love sharing camp with you. Love hunting with you. Um, I'll definitely be hunting with you in the future. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, mate. Always welcome to Melbourne. Anytime I'm in SA, I'll give you a call. We'll catch up for sure, man. Look, it was good hunting with you. Good company. Um, good camp. I think we had a real tight group. Yeah, we did. Like-minded we did. people. Very like-minded. We weren't greedy. Um, as you know, there were some people in our period that didn't want to share some information. Yeah. I couldn't care less, mate. The more information I could share, the more I learned from you guys also. Yeah, exactly. We all wanted each other to be successful and we all wanted to help each other be successful. So that's that's, that's the right. way the hunting community should be um, and we all had each other's backs. So nah, thank you very much, man, and I'll I'll let you go. i just got to give Rob a call now and um, get the rest of this done. So appreciate it, thank man. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Best of luck. Cheers. You too. Catch you. Bye. So we have Rob back um, from the pre-Snake Island hunt episode. How you doing, Rob? Really well, thanks, Zach. That's thanks for having me back on. No, great to have you back on, mate. Um, it was incredible meeting all you guys um, so far on, on this episode. I've had Shane and Hassan on, so good group of guys. We're all successful in our own way, so that was really awesome, awesome to hear and um yeah, it was the island proved to be a lot harder than any of us really thought. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, couldn't agree more. And and, and likewise with the comments, with the uh, with the kind comments, everybody was just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we oh, you couldn't have got a better group of guys, that's for sure. So, no, absolutely. On the last episode, we went in through to your expectations. How did Snake Island hold up to your expectations? Um. Yeah, it was it was kind of what I expected, but um, there were some challenges that 
how can I say they were sort of downplayed by by the masses. Yeah, you know we we got we got some warnings of certain things, but it was you know tenfold harder, uh, troublesome, little tricky things, just things. You know, you sort of got you got the heads up what to kind of expect. Yeah, um, yeah, but look, it was it was good in its own way because we got to discover it for ourselves rather than you know spoon fed the whole way. Yeah, exactly. It was five times harder than I imagined, and I knew it was going to be yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, oh, the dramas, the drama started. I think for for most of us, you know, a meter in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had uh, two carts break as soon as we were off yeah. the boat. So don't don't worry. I, I'm uh, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> um, I think I, I think I made it. Um, uh, what was it about? Two meters, and I opted for lightweight, you know, handles to carry the rickshaw. Yeah, and they sort of they just folded in, and then the first bump that I hit in the sand, they just snapped in half. So, you know, I had these extremely small handles. I had my rickshaw slash stand belt in the back of my legs the entire walk. So, oh no, <laughs> the the, the, um, the fun started right away. Yeah, we were we were very much um, in the same boat on the other side of the island. Mine and Anthony's carts buckled under the pressure of the sand. That's <laughs> and the the marsh the marshy mud, um, just yeah. still bending and wheels snapping. So we we didn't camp too far off the beach. That's where we set up. So how'd you go in? How far did you end up um, going in off of the boat to set up? I, I- well, I first initially I got off the boat. Um, like I took my own, I took my own vessel, but that proved the challenge in itself, just being the sheer size and weight of it. Definitely. Um, and the whole tides, you know, every day's a bit of a different tide. And I, I tried to watch videos, and I watched one bloke in a YouTube clip where he's, you know, he got his jet ski stuck, and they called it a king tide, but turns out that's just a daily tide. That's just your normal thing. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I, I initially I went and set up camp. I think it was, I don't know, maybe about a kilometre in, and dumped all the stuff there. Yeah, and a kilometre in those like three k's on flat surface, hey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you've got it's it's got it's either thick sand, and if it's not thick sand, it's bushy. If it's not bushy, it's you know, you might have the tree root that you've got to bounce over and everything yeah. wants to come loose and fall off and you've got the sun belting you, you've got the ritual now it's belting in the back of my legs. So initially, it was, let's just say it was about a K in I set up and then after I dumped everything, found a little clearing and you know near the track, set everything up. Then I went out and found my spot and set up my tree stands or my ladder stands. Yep. Went back to camp and I was like, just got decimated by the insects. Yeah, it was, it was brutal, the insects. Did you um, oh. you set up, did you do any scouting that Sunday night? Because for people the, listening, the, you can't actually, you you can get to the island Sunday, but you can't actually start hunting to 8 a.m. the Monday morning, so. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, look, I, I didn't really do too much because I, um, I bumped into, you know, some people on horseback that were leaving the island. Okay, wow. Um, so, so we had a nice chat. There's about 30-odd um, horses. And, you Did know, you ask if they could leave you one, take your gear in further for you? <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you what, I was already set up when I bumped into them. Um, and, <laughs> and the first lot that sort of went past, you know, he threw a cheeky comment and said, 
you don't catch any deer from in there, and I was already in, so in, in camp, sort of just killing a bit of time, and I just said, nah, that's not my intention. But, you know, a few of them said, look, if you head up there, you know, you'll, we, we, we were sort of three metres within one. Um, I said, oh, you probably got, you know, you're on horseback, they're expecting, or they're not expecting anything else, they're used to it. So Yeah, exactly. But um, eventually, once I just got absolutely, I, I, I can't use any other words apart from getting destroyed by the, um, by the insects, um, the midges killed me. So what I did was I just said, look, in the boat, I had my swag. Yep. I took my tent back to the boat, pulled the swag out, walked that back up, you know, only about 600 and set up again. Oh, beautiful. And I said, I've, I've got to hide from these things. You know, this is a week on and I'm, and I'm still itching. <laughs> but when I say they absolutely killed me, they just did. But now I just ended up set up camp about 600 meters. So I was, you know, I can't. I wasn't really halfway, but I was. Let's just say one third from from my um, the spot that I I planned on hunting. So it wasn't too bad. I thought I'd prefer to work, walk sort of closer to the boat than because once I'm hunting, I'll be out at that spot all day. That that was the initial plan. So yeah. So how did, how did that first morning play out for you? You, start, you did you get the, into the stand earlier, or did you get in well, after I, eight? I, all the information. All the information I was given um, was, you know, around sort of heading towards lunchtime, go get to your stand, don't rush, blah, blah, blah. But I was still up really early and went straight to the stand. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I should have, I really should have just listened to everyone because their information was absolutely spot on. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of us did that. Um, in this group, we were sort of 8 a.m., we were there and ready, and then, you know, we were just sort of, half nodding off by the, you know, four-hour mark. Yeah, we uh, had had a decent snooze underneath the tree in um, Cow Swamp, so. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I, that, that's the one time I actually put my head down um, and thought I was just resting. I was up in my stand and I was resting on the, like I've got a little gun sort of, almost like a gun rack thing, like yep. a rest that, you know, I can shoot off. And I put my head down and... It was that very first morning. I, I I just sort of I looked up and inside the shadows, right underneath the trees next to the um, waterhole, I sort of just lifted my head up real slow, and then all I saw was the ears, and it was looking right at me. Three D camo, tree. You know, I had bits of tree all over my stand. Had camo all over the stand, and you know, I sort of just came up real slow, and it was staring straight at me, dead in the eyes. Yeah, well, so that was a that was a hind, was it? That was that was the hind, and I thought it has spotted me already. You know, wind was in my favour and everything, and I thought, oh no, it's already spotted me. So I just I sort of just froze, thinking, do not make, do not make a move, just sit still, Rob. Don't even you know, don't give it anything. But, so no, it was right. It was it was good for me because the very first morning, sort of come across one. Um, I think a lot of us had success on the first day, so that was good. Yeah, I think about, I think it was five of us had success and one lost a deer. So on that first day, so I think it was like oh. four, four stags taken, one stag lost, and your hind taken. So that's yeah. uh, that's insanely, insanely good rates. They do say that yeah. that um, second period is the um, the golden period on the island. That's for sure. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Even even um, some of the other guys that didn't that didn't harvest in our group um, still managed to see quite a you know good number of deer on there. 
Yeah. So it's not like they didn't have their chances, but, you know, if they had their goals set on something, you know, that, that they really had their, their eyes set on what they wanted. They, they had their target. They saw, you know, Heinz, they saw small spikers, they saw everything else, and they thought, nah, well, you know, more, you know, more power to them. I, I praise them for that, for sticking to their, to their goals. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that... But that, it was funny, yeah, that was good. Oh man, there was so um, Nathan and I went out this Sunday night and just sat sat out under our our tree and just watched. We you know, fifteen twenty deer. Um, we were watching spikes wow. clashing head. You know, there was wow, you know awesome. a bunch of ten, eleven, twelve inch stags just cruising around and feeding a few um, hinds and calves. So that was oh, that was awesome. awesome. And then you know, well, I knew I knew that there would be success. The the Sunday night, I could hear, um, I could hear some some walking around, and I'm thinking, oh, what's that? Yeah, um, you know. So I just stuck my head out of the swag, and sure enough, there goes one trots away. Uh, you know, three or four hours later, I can hear the same little, you know, stamping around, and then get the torch. There goes that one. Um, then the Monday night, it was actually there was there was a samba behind my uh, behind my swag. Oh yeah, well, so you did see the elusive samba so, on Snake Island. Yeah, well, we got we got told that there was samba there, and I thought, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. But yeah. um, yeah, it turns out, sure enough, like the first thing I heard was just that really big crash, thump, bang, yeah. boom, and I thought, there's no way that's a hoggy, or you know, you know, if it's a wallaby or a kangaroo, they just do that thump, and the next jump, thump, thump. Whereas most deer, you know, it's like bang, 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 bang. You can hear the footsteps and then crashing. Um, and it sort of done a great big crash bang and I jumped out of the swag and it sort of froze and then it it didn't quite do a full bark but it was kind of like your half sort of bark at me. Oh, so it was a, or a, sta- or a stag or a, or a honk? Or a honk. I, I couldn't really make it out but it just gave me this, my torch, my little headlamp wasn't good enough. Yeah. But it gave me this kind of like a half a little honk but um, and then it just took off again. I thought, geez, the, the bloke from the GMA was absolutely spot on. I thought he was having us on saying, do they get Samba on there? Yeah, that's that's nuts. Um, yeah, because straight after you um, you checked in your deer, we checked in our deer, and um, he's just like, "Did you see any samba? Did you see any tracks?" I'm like, "No, nah, we didn't see anything." He didn't uh, oh. let on that you seen one, so <laughs> no, he didn't even he didn't even ask. We got we got talking about a few other you know things and different styles of hunting yeah. and. Just I, I sort of got into the chat of you know what he does for work and you know what the processes are and things like that, but. Um, yeah, I must have just chatted his ear off where he's forgotten to ask me. <laughs> yeah, Tav, Tavi, his name is. Um, he was a yeah, great really, guy. really good really dude. Good he's, guy. he's offered to come on the podcast, so hopefully in yeah. the next coming months I um, can arrange a time with him on. I reckon he'll be um, a wealth of knowledge and, you know, oh, absolutely. chat about that. Absolutely, and he's such a really stuff. nice guy too. He is, he is, that's for sure. Um, yeah, really, really nice guy. So your you shot your hind. Your hind. Did you have to carry her out far? Um, nah. What I did was I ended up using. I just folded the ladder in half and used it to carry it. Yep, beautiful. Uh, and then I just sort of, I um, I cheated. I didn't throw it over the shoulder and do too much weightlifting. But with no <laughs> handles in the, um, with no handles inside that the rickshaw doesn't make it for any sort of. It's not any easier. Definitely. So, not. yeah. Yes, I used it, but. Um, anyone listening, I highly, 
I, I do not recommend stay well away from a double-sided ladder and turning it into a rickshaw. <laughs> it's just too heavy. It's just too much to just. And I'm, I'm a pretty solid sort of bloke, and it just takes it out of you. Yeah, I asked for permission of a couple of the other guys that were on the island, but they um had. Shane had a really good model. He didn't have a ladder at all. He just had the rickshaw, so it was short and stout, and his yeah. his was perfect. It was his yeah. was just more of a cart to get stuff around. And then, well, um, knowing what we know now, that's probably he he probably had he probably had the best design. He did. He did. He was yeah incredible. Incredible. Like he stuck to his game plan. Everything that he wanted to happen happened, and he ended up shooting the biggest stag on the on the island in our period. Oh, so. it was such a beautiful specimen that he shot. Yeah, it was um, incredible. He weighed in just before before me. Yeah. Um. It was it was such a beautiful specimen. I don't even think he knows this, but I took a cheeky photo while it was still in the back of his ute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just looked at it and I went, wow, what a beautiful animal. And what was he? He was a 15-incher. Yeah, I think his went went um, 15, 15 inches. He uh, straight taped it and I think it was 14 and a half. And then, yeah, you don't straight tape them. You follow the curve on the outside of the Yeah, antler. that's right. And yeah, so but it was you... funny. One of, one of those antlers had a little chip on the top. Yep. And that was actually the longer side too. Yeah, wow, wow, yeah. I'm I'm missing missing one. Uh, I've got a good chip taken out of mine. My guy was a brawler. He had some fresh cuts on him, some scars. Those oh, wow. those things go hard. Um, even just watching the spikes fight on the Sunday afternoon, like they were they were knocking each other into the ground, and then while they were on the ground, they were just like just absolutely destroying each other. Oh wow! Yeah, so, they really had a go. Oh, it was it was incredible to see. I wish I had a better video camera to um to <laughs> record it all. So, what did your hind end up going? Because the island deer are pretty pretty smaller than pretty small than the um, mainland deer. Do, do yeah, you remember that's the right. weight that she went? Um, she was a little over twenty kilos. Yep. Wow. Dressed. Um, and she got aged at three and a half years old. Okay, awesome. Nice, nice. I think mine yeah. mine was aged at five and a half, and I think both the Hassan's and Anthony's were five and a half year old deer, and Shane's was six and a half. So, yeah, some, well, there you go. Some good age classes there, you know. Uh, that's, well, that's well, another thing. Look at me, look at me rounds we've had of people hunting the island. Yeah. And it just goes to show that, you know, even though you're not, you probably, you probably won't even see one. Um, yes, weather plays a huge role, um, especially for this type of deer, whether they come out or not, whether you get your chance to see one, but you know, there you go, six and a half years and no one's even had a chance to uh, change one. Or someone's passed it up as well. So yeah, the world's definitely (laughs) too. Yeah, that's right. So uh, it's it's incredible the management on the island. You know, we were told that possibly this is the last year of them hunting Snake Island. So oh um, wow, I. I definitely hope that it continues. It you know goes on all that po- politics yeah. side of stuff. So, look with the, with the number of the deer on there, I, I it's it's a good thing because you know you can manage numbers and it doesn't have to go down the path of well we've got to cull some and just goes to waste. Yeah, exactly. You don't you wouldn't want them to 
be culling on yeah. the island or um, you wouldn't want them to, you know, because inbreeding is a huge thing on the island for them. You wouldn't want them to get that inbred. No, they just die right. out either. So. Well, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Look, it's, I know we only make a very small dent, you know, as far as, you know, the economy goes, you know, poor and fuel, you know, where you got some guys are paying to be chartered over. Yeah. Uh, buying things in town, you know that I know it's only a very small dent, but each everything helps. hundred oh, percent. So if you can give, oh, if you can give some, if you can give people from another state slash another country the opportunity to hunt one of these things on an island in exclusive look like location and that, I just think it's amazing that you we get the chance to go there. Definitely, it was a it was incredible. It was an incredible place, and just a hell of a lot tougher than I thought it would be too. So you coming off the island, you decided to come off of the Tuesday. No, what was it? The Monday night about Tuesday. No, it was the Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday it was morning, really, about one a.m. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it was about one thirty, and I crossed across. I went right across there, that Bass Strait. Um, looking at the tides. Looking at the weather that was going to follow, I thought, you know what, I, I can stay here. There was a, there was a, there was a huge number of things that I sort of just weighed up. You know, I had all the time in the world to sit in the camp by myself. Um, I, I did get to see a few photos of you guys, um, the setup you guys had, and I thought, oh, geez, wow, that would have been awesome. Everyone was sort of camped near each other. You guys would have had a great time. Yeah, it was, it but, was um, really good. <laughs> yeah, well, I was out west by myself, and I just weighed up. Um, quite a number of things, which was the tides. Um, I, I struggled to get my boat out of the sand yeah, and floating said. again, even just to get out of there. Um, I'm going to put like this real sort of one or two minute sort of little video. I might even throw it up on YouTube or something, but you're going to have a laugh. Just the sheer weight of the boat just sunk straight <laughs> in that it almost just sort of suction cups itself to the sand where it just would not move. Yeah, wow. So, you know, one one thirty in the morning, I'm shaking and pulling and I'm just trying to dig and it finally got out. But the tides, the weather um, following, it was going to be a bit of a shorter tide. The weather that was coming through, I didn't know if it was going to sort of create any sort of bad swell or, yeah. you know, huge chop or it anything got else. windy out there, judging yeah, by the videos then, we've seen. Well, that's right. Yeah, that looked, that looked absolutely crazy. Um, then... then the other thing I had to weigh up was now I've already harvested the deer. I've got to save it. So I just put it all together. And I thought, you know what? Let me get out of here and we'll see what happens. And then as soon as that weather turned and I saw that video, you know, 40, 50 K winds, I thought, like, nah, there's no way we can get back there and, and hunt. They'll be bedded down. They won't come out. Nobody, no, no, no hog deer is going to come in in 50 K winds and start sort of just moving around. Yeah, exactly. It was, I'm glad we all got off the island as, as we did because, um, yeah, otherwise it would have been a hell of a lot harder hunting on, on there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that's why I just weighed up all, you know, everything and I put it all in front of me. I said, look, I've already taken I've already taken the hind. You know, I, I waited and I thought I was watching her for a little while. You know, she obviously, she wasn't in season, so nobody was chasing her. And yeah. I thought, nah, you know what, just just before she left, I said, there was something that sort of just kept playing in my mind, and it was the comment that you said, you know, don't pass up, the, you know, on the first day when you shoot on the last day. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And I thought, I know on Wednesday, I know that the weather's turning, and it ain't going to, you know, sort of clear up till Friday. So I thought, 
what do I do here? And then as soon as you started making tracks, leaving the, the water hole, I thought, nah, just got to take my chances. Nah, that's great. That's, that's very well deserved. You know, we all um, face very, very similar struggles on the island, whether it's too much gear, rickshaw problems, track <laughs> problems, you know. Um, oh, so, the, the rickshaw problems are great, aren't they? <laughs> oh, I, you, you should have seen me. Like, my rickshaw is just bent, and I've just started laughing like uncontrollably laughing and everyone's looking at me. I'm like, yep, my, my rickshaw is just broken. And the guy that made it, Nathan, was with me and he's like looking at me. I'm just pissing myself laughing. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this is great. Like, I'm actually glad this happened. And everyone's looking at me like, what? I'm like, this has just made it a hell of a lot better. Like, you know, we're yeah. going to struggle and we're going to earn this. And I'm just pissing You're myself laughing. <laughs> and then, you know, 100 metres in front of me, Anthony's goes and... I start laughing again. I'm like, sorry, man. Like, I'm not laughing yeah. at you. I'm just laughing at how great this situation is. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I told Shane the story as we're waiting for, you know, the, the GMA Tarby to set up and everything. And then he said, he told, he kind of said, oh, a couple of rickshaws broke and blah. I said, I'm in the same boat. I said, I unloaded the boat, like, walked everything out. Then, you know, unloaded the rickshaw, put it, parked it next to all my stuff, loaded everything on, strapped it up. Picked up the handles, took about two steps, and they just folded in half. <laughs> and he just burst out laughing. He started laughing. I mean, I said, I get, I get out of that sort of that foggy mud. As soon as I hit the sand, I'm like, oh, here we go. Now it's going to be great. You know, we've got to walk through some soft sand. First tree root that it bounced off, they completely snapped and just folded in half. And I just looked at him and just went, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> uh... That's so good, man. That's so good. The challenges, the challenges were great. They were awesome. Look, I uh, the only thing, and it's it's only because of how irritating it is on the skin, is the bugs. That was really the only thing that I can say. Like the as midges, um, were the only thing that were were upsetting. The rest of it, you know, you just take it as it comes. It was yeah. a lot of fun. We got to see a lot of cool things, discover something new, but. Um, like I could remove all those midges, life would be so great. Yeah, midges, sandflies, mosquitoes. I've I got eaten alive by. I probably killed two hundred sandflies. I reckon. Oh, Just, and and once they once they sort of start have like biting into you, they they don't they don't care. You can whack them and they're still trying to eat. Yeah, I know. It's they're they're a horrible animal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, take away take away those midges for me, and the rest I can deal with. You know, but. What a what an amazing experience though! It was just you know just something out of just completely different. Like we all hunt, and I think we get complacent with what we normally do and what we're used to and all the rest. But heading out to an island, experiencing something different, having to build special carts and yeah. you know try and find our own way there and do all these other you know amazing and cool things. Just I don't know, it made it so much more enjoyable. Yeah, exactly. It's something completely different. Like, like I've mentioned before, you know, I've I've hunted New Zealand once and Mexico once and done a couple of other interstate trips and that. But those none of those trips had anywhere near the fort, like Thor Fort, going into it and like the preparation yeah. as this hunt did, you know, and like just the how unexpected, you know. I've had friends that have hunted it and they're like, you know, it's shit, prepare for the worst, you know, make sure your rickshaw's up to scratch, make sure this, make sure that, make sure you've got plenty of insect insect repellent, you know. 
I had yeah, three different right. kinds and I still got eaten alive. <laughs> yeah, oh, don't I? I yeah, I don't think the repellent. At one stage, I actually put some repellent. I thought there's this one fly just kept pestering my ear, and I thought let me test to see if, if they really give a stuff about this repellent. So I put it all over my ear. As soon as I finished putting it on, it just landed straight back on my ear. <laughs> they just could not give a stuff to be honest. But no, nah, it was oh mate, it was awesome. Bastards. Um, so, final question. Have you eaten some of your hog deer and where does it rank to what you've eaten? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I've eaten a shoulder and I've eaten a backstrap so far. Beautiful. Beautiful. And how does it compare? Um, I did. Well, I think what? It's, it's tastes absolutely nothing like any other deer. It doesn't. It, it's, it's like... I hate using this word gamey, but like other deer have flavor. The hog deer yeah. is very, very bland. Like you cook it, it goes white like pork. Yeah, um, it, it almost tastes like um, like you're just sort of eating your, your regular farm animal. Yeah, yeah, it's got no real flavor. And I reckon that's why people tend to like it more. It's very tender and it's a very yeah. delicate meat, but it's almost got no flavor. So I reckon that's why people like it the most because it doesn't have that strong Strong flavour. Yeah, I've just I, had some backstrap yeah. so far, but well, I'll tell you what. I um, I had I, I sort of chopped it all up. I bag it and label it. Yeah, and I had a, a, a you know pretty good portion coming out the back legs and stuff that I put aside for um, making some jerky because I remember last time I was telling you I love making jerky out of it. Yeah. Um, the first time, and I think I put a picture up online of the backstrap. Yeah, you did. It looked incredible when we. Hey. It looked incredible. Oh, mate, melting the mouth, I'll tell you what, it was just, just so nice. But as soon as we ate it, the the that next morning, I went straight back, opened the bags and took half out and said, nah, I can't waste, you know, all of this on, on jerky. It's just, <laughs> I started making a few extra, like I even labelled them roast, small roast, um, small portion. <laughs> I yeah, just yeah. Started, I, thought, I thought, I can't waste it all on jerky, there's no way. Yeah, I've got lots of slow cook roasts coming up. You know, I've got the, I took, like, not something I do often is take the neck, like all the neck meat. Sometimes I'll just yep. cut it off and mince it, but I've just taken the whole neck and it's going to fit perfectly in my slow cooker. So, oh, mate, chuck a bunch of bone neck, broth in there. The neck is, is phenomenal on any animal. I can just imagine what the hoggy's going to be like. Yeah, I can't wait just to, to slow cook it all day Bloody, and just all the, yeah. meat, all the meat. Peeling off, it's going to be beautiful. Low cook, the entire shoulder. I kept the entire shoulder. Yep. Um, so I just, you know, slip, you know, straight off the bone at the back and kept it and then right at the bottom just cut it all off. Slow cook shoulder is butter. Just phenomenal. Absolutely yeah, unfortunately, I, I lost most of my shoulders. The old 270 yeah. put a bit of a, a bit of a dent in it. But I'm, I'm keen for shanks. Shanks are going to be my... They're, they're oh, yeah. what I'm looking forward to the most. <laughs> but anyway, I'm, Rob. I'm getting hungry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But anyway, thank you for coming on, mate. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate meet, like meeting you, um, spending time with you. Um, I look forward to seeing you again in the future and possibly sharing a hunting camp together. Yeah, we're in South Australia. Sing out and we'll try and catch up for at least a Absolutely. beer. Absolutely. Maybe a walk around the hills. Oh. Absolutely. Hey, I'm... <laughs> 
Hunters? computers started playing. <laughs> oh, okay. No, um, I just want to. I want to also say thank you very much. Um, you were you were the sort of the key in our group that you know got the got everyone talking. Um, you created the group, which fundamentally just it it's what I think created our success. Everybody. Yeah. As Shane said, everyone had a game plan and stuck to it, which was true. We all got in contact with each other. Um, everything lined up. It was just such an awesome bunch of people. Everybody communicated well. Everybody spoke with each other, all but one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know that's that's you know how oh, well too bad. Um, but I tell you what, what an awesome bunch of people. We've I've pretty much made friends now. Like even yeah, I'm. I'm I'm going to show me age here. You know, I've become Facebook friends with these guys. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you what, I I really, really appreciate what you did, what Thank everyone you. else did with communicating, um, just everyone being friendly, helpful. And I'll tell you what, it led to, to all of to everyone's success, I reckon. Oh, 100%. It played, a, it played a huge part. We couldn't have asked for anyone else. So if anyone does sort of listen to the podcast, that's probably – I would say that's apart from you know take this, don't take that, bring this, be careful. That's that sort of stuff that you can find out anywhere. But having a good bunch of guys that communicate with each other and are willing to help each other is key. A hundred percent. Need to all work together. That's for sure. Um, it definitely yeah. definitely helped. That was one of the first things I got told was try and find everyone on Facebook and just reach out. And that's exactly what I did. And then yeah, you know. Since we drawn, we've yeah. been chatting almost weekly about everything, giving updates on all of our prep and everything. So that's just been awesome. Then we had Shane yeah. come in halfway through, and he was just an incredible um, resource to the group as well. You know, he's oh, a, mate, he's what a, a gentleman, very, very passionate hunter. You know, um, mate, he's a gentleman, mate. He's an absolute gentleman, Shane. We we're calling him Camp Dad. Um, you know, he's rocked up. <laughs> and he's had bag bag of jerky for everyone. He had like. Oh, I, don't, I don't know how many chocolate cakes he had stashed away in his in his esky, all wrapped up in oh, our foil. Mate, I missed out on I missed out on more than I thought. <laughs> oh yeah, man. He, we had chocolate cakes, and then you know, mixed with Anthony's and Huss's beers. You know, oh wow, Sunday night we're eating, eating chocolate. You see what I mean? <laughs> you see what I mean? Like, look, even though I, I didn't get to spend those nights with you guys there out in the islands because I was out west, but. Yeah. That's the sort of stuff that you need, you know. It's a, it's a great bunch of guys. Everybody just wanted to be there. Everyone wanted to do the same thing and help each other, and it was so successful. The first message that came through um, from Anthony saying that he knocked a, a stag off, I actually I was, like, really excited. Oh, we came across it. We heard the gunshot, and then like we thought it was Huss because it sounded like it came from Big Hole, and we walked up the track, and we seen this guy in camo and an orange hat like on the middle of the track and then disappear. As we got closer, he walked back out and then disappear. And, yeah, he's dra- he was dragging this deer off out of the bush onto the track, and we were stoked, you know, heading to, heading to where we yeah. were hunting, and he's pulled this deer out, and we got to feel it and check it out and congratulate him, take a couple photos. But just getting to see the deer on the ground before we got to our hunting grounds was just incredible. And he's yeah, like, yep, awesome. I'm going back to camp. I'm packing up, and I'll see you guys another time. It was great. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm done. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. But anyway, thank you again, Rob. I really appreciate nah. it, and thanks for coming no. back on the podcast. No, absolutely. And we'll, um, I'm sure we'll, we'll keep in touch and, yeah. 
Yeah, hundred percent. If you're ever down here and you're you're keen for a bit of a samba hunt or any other species, you just let me know and we'll um, we'll organise one. I'll be reaching out. That's for sure, mate. Have Absolutely. a great night. Thanks, Zach. See you later. See you, mate. Bye for now. Bye. Well, that's the uh, wrap-up of this bonus episode done. So we've had Shane, Hassan, and Rob on. Uh, it's been great to chat to them about their success and what their what they thought they were getting themselves into versus what they actually got themselves into. So I hope this helps any future Snake Island hunter and even any of the ballot hunts or just hog deer and hunting. So, yeah, be be happy if like just reach out you know come say get a hey if you've if you've got a um if you've got a hunt coming up for hog deer i'm happy to help out any way i can and same with any other um hunters that i've spoken to so reach out say good day let us know your success i'm pretty keen to hear all of that so yeah have a have a good one and keep applying for the hog deer ballot Thank you for listening to another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. Please head over to our social media and give us a follow. Instagram at Hunting Connection Podcast, Facebook at Hunting Connection Podcast, Twitter at Hunting Connect, TikTok at Hunting Connection Podcast. If you've enjoyed, please share with your friends and family, tag us in your photos and videos on social media, subscribe, rate and review to help grow the podcast. If you're interested in giving additional support to the podcast you can head over to our podcast patreon page thank you very much for listening and catch you next episode